6, Blake 7. This is called the Liberator. It's mm -hmm. an alien craft. It's going to be, if I'll pardon the expression, the Enterprise of Blake 7. Right. Uh, and it's pretty heavy, actually. Do you want to try lifting it? Yes, that it's is. very, very heavy. So what, why is it that heavy, if you're just making it with plastic? Uh, well, there's not only plastic in this. Because of the peculiar shape and these three pods. It goes that way, by the way. I, I always felt it ought to go that way. Yeah. That's right. It goes that way. That's I rather assumed it went that way. That's the engine. Right. Do it over the tower. I am doing I am doing Right. right. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 56, 56 oh, no. of Two Geeks, Two Beers, with me, Morgan, and Tom. Hello. I'd like to think you're the Avon to my Blake, but the truth is, we're probably both filler. Don't know what that means yet. No, it'll mean more to you <laughs> as we progress. Yes, ladies and gents, this latest intergalactical instalment of Two Geeks is all about Blake 7. Yes. Uh, the BBC's dystopian space opera that ran for four series, 52 episodes from January 1978 to December 1981. Now let's begin, yep. as is tradition, yep. unless we forget, mm -hmm. uh, with the beers. beers. So, two episodes on the trot now. We have sourced these beers from Norway's Amundsen Brewery. Mm -hmm. uh, By complete fluke. It's complete coincidence. Yeah, we're not uh, sponsored by them. Uh, we are not, although we are also not above being born. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so these are uh, Fierce Stardust Galaxies, mm. which is a 6% IPA, uh, best served at a temperature of between 7 and 10 degrees Celsius. Right. Have we done that? Mm, they're pretty tepid. They've yeah. been in my bag for a while. Uh, <laughs> it's got like a transformer image. Well, so I went for these because Fierce Stardust Galaxies, that to me conjures up some of the sort of gritty, space-faring feel of Blake 7. Yep. And also the masked figure on the front that you mentioned, you can Google Fierce Stardust Galaxies, you can see the cover art, bears a passing similarity to uh, the Federation Troopers from Blake 7. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> Look, it looks more like a green Optimus Prime. It's a pa it's a it's a passing similarity. We're fifty six episodes in, and it's increasingly hard to find beers that fit the theme. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. So, uh, this is an episode that I had planned to do practically ever since we started oh, yeah. this podcast yeah. four years ago. It required you to finish the the fucker. <laughs> it did. I hadn't watched the last series of Blake Seven uh, for yeah. for a little while, so that was crucial. But also the uh, the sad passing of the actor Paul Darrow, mm. who played Avon in June, spurred us on to finally get around to it. So, cheers, cheers to, Paul. to Paul. What do you know <laughs> about Blake Seven? So, I know about Blake Seven mm. that it ends mm. with them all dying. Spoilers. Yeah. Don't bother watching it now. Bye. I've Ruined. Enjoy. Bye. Enjoy. See you next time. Um, I know that because mm -hmm. it's a famous end. It is famous. We'll get onto that. Um, and that's kind, kind, kind of it. Oh, right. oh yeah. I, I feel like it hasn't really had any sort of repeat viewing on telly, like mainstream telly, for since I'm aware of anything. I've never seen it being on telly ever. It, it has like a little bit of a legacy. It has the. Oh yeah, I mean, it has, of course the cult following. It's iconic, but mm. I've never seen it on telly. Mm. I've ne I don't remember unless it, it might have happened in like 1994 mm. when I was about eight years old. Mm. And but I, I don't recall it ever being shown ever again. Well, it has a bit of a sort of mixed bag of a reputation, yeah. which is something we'll get onto. 
So you know how it ends. Yeah. I'm going to fill you in on everything that happened before that. Okay. Uh, so it ran for four 13-episode series that were broadcast between 1978 and 1981, uh, referred to by fans as Series A to D, oh. for reasons that are not readily apparent. They just went rogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the series took a rather interesting trajectory. <laughs> well, that's a hard word to say after a beer or two. Uh, so the, the script editor on Blake 7, and later as what the chief creative force behind the show, was uh, Chris Boucher. Okay. Uh, but it was created by Terry Nation. You know who Terry Nation oh, is? Oh, he's, he's the Dalek man. He yeah. is the Dalek man. Yeah. Not, not Nicholas Briggs, not Nicholas Briggs. <laughs> who we spoke to uh, a couple yeah. of episodes back. No, Terry Nation, uh, as well as creating Blake 7, also created the Daleks for... I've written down here was a copy and paste for the television series Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, I always get him. I, I know he's the Dalek Man, but I always mm. forget he's nothing to do with Jay Anderson and stuff because I get him mixed up with Super Mario Nation. So I always think of Super Terry Nation. <laughs> it's not filmed same, in Super yeah, Terry Nation. It's not the same thing at all. If, uh, what we should do? We should do like a mashup podcast that talks about <laughs> Jerry Anderson stuff and. Terry Nation yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, Terry Nation. Terry Nation did actually write a couple of episodes of like Jerry Anderson oh, series. Well, so we'll yeah. do an episode. Just about those, and call it filmed in Super Terry Nation. <laughs> that's even for us. That's niche. That is niche. But still, right. So uh, we'll get. We'll come back to Terry Nation mm-hmm. and and the Daleks actually later. Okay. Uh, but let's get things going in grand style yeah. with the fantastic Blake Seven theme. Do it. Time. Yeah, yeah. Bum, Although bum, 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 bum. it annoys me, it doesn't have an apostrophe. <laughs> no. Why has it not got an apostrophe? <laughs> okay, we'll, right. We will come back to the the absence of the apostrophe, and also the sort. Of, does the title make sense? We'll come back. We will come back to it. Plus, I, I like that there's the, the intro has animation, which looks like it's been cross stitched. <laughs> it does. And makes you think. Did they do that? Because that's what they had at the time. Like, they had to make someone make some cross-stitch patterns. Like stop-motion cross-stitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that title sequence uh, was utilised for the first three series mm-hmm. of Blake 7. And I really love it. I think it's, it's packed with a slightly sort of nightmarish electronic imagery that you've now ruined for me oh, by yeah, saying it looks like cross-stitch. Um, but that title sequence for some reason got discarded for the fourth oh. and final series and replaced with something a bit more generic. Uh, the theme music was yeah. the work of composer Dudley Simpson. Uh, who is best known for his work as a composer on Doctor Who and also for composing the theme tune to the Tomorrow People. Jazz funk. Great. A future episode, possibly. Uh, Now, quick sidebar, but, uh, you know, know, Pulp, the band Pulp. I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard a demo that appears on the deluxe edition of their album, their famous album, Different Class? You ever heard this? In a word, no. Okay. See if the chorus to this song... (laughs) Uh, sounds at all familiar. Oh, here a lawsuit coming on. Come 
that was We Can Dance Again by Pulp or the Blake 7 theme nice. by Dudley Simpson. He's done a homage there. It makes me laugh because you know we get all these lawsuits recently. It's mm. all Blurred Lines, Marvin Gaye thing. Mm. Ed Sheeran's getting in the neck every time he releases something. Mm. It's funny, isn't it, how people only set, get a lawsuit going when it's a, a really big hit. Like, if they wanted to, mm. um, what's his name, Simpson? He could have sued Jarvis Cocker. But that Sim- Simpson, he could have sued. But, but it was never a hit, so he's not going to get much money out of it. So no. fuck it. Whereas if it was a hit, he'd Get a bit of action. If that had been a common people yeah, or exactly. a disco 2000, exactly. Simpson would have been I right mean, on it. It wasn't. So <laughs> good tune, though. It was a good tune. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so the main thrust of this episode uh, is going to immature. Is going to be not just introducing you to Blake Seven, yeah, but also while acknowledging the show's flaws, I want to refute the idea that it's crap. So is it thought of? I thought is it thought of as crap? I think there is still this notion, this assumption among a lot of people. Yeah. Incorrectly, that Blake Seven is crap, no. um, and it's not crap. <laughs> At least, not in the way that people think. Okay, uh, but it, it's come in for a lot of stick over the years. So uh, the famed sci-fi writer Nigel Neal, he created like, Equator Mass, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, he called it paralytically awful. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Uh, while TV critic Clive James yeah. said, "No apostrophe in the title, no sense in the plot." So, coming back to you, what you pointed out earlier. Yeah, we idea. saw that, like, oh, this is bullshit. Mm. Uh, Wikipedia, this is on the, the, the main Wikipedia page for Blake 7, yeah. uh, says, Although many tropes of space opera are present, such as spaceships, robots, galactic empires and aliens, its budget was inadequate for its interstellar theme. And that's just presented as fact. It's not like, no quibbles, no, no, yeah. no, no citation requirements. It's like, no. its budget was too small. They made, they made fools of themselves. I've seen like clips here and there, and mm. it does look like... It looks like um, it was filmed like the same day that a play school episode was, or play days, whatever it was called at the time, mm. was filmed. Mm. Same sort of cameras and the same sort of setup. It doesn't, it doesn't have the cinematic quality. It doesn't, but it's mad the way they made like drama in general, but also like sci-fi drama. Yeah. In those days. Not everything. Some things were like on shot on location on film, yeah. the classier dramas. Yeah. Something like Blake Seven was shot multi-camera. Yeah. It's really dry that's, technical stuff. No, but, but that's, that's how that's how they shot yeah. sitcoms. Yeah, that's what I mean. It you looks can't, like you can't, a dodgy sitcom. Of course it does, because you can't shoot a yeah. decent drama that way. Like so no matter how good the scripts were, and sometimes they weren't good, sometimes they were really good. Not no matter how good the acting yeah, was, again, can't help not it. always great, sometimes amazing, yeah. it's gonna look shoddy when it's filmed in that it's, way. It's like Abigail's party. Or yeah. Something. When it's filmed on videotape, multi-camera. Anyway. <laughs> I I feel like but I feel like there's also like um, this perception that Blake Seven is crap, you know, it, all facets of it are crap. Yeah. And, and also, and like, there's a bit of a conspiracy. Because, right, I remember there was um, like a Channel 4 countdown show on years ago. Yeah. It was like top 10 sci fi shows yeah. or something like that. And uh, there was a clip of it, of Blake Seven. And uh, Avon, who's a character on the show, Paul Darrow's character, yeah. he was um, like on a, on a planet and one of his, you know, enemies is. Riding uh, like a you know space bike across the planet, Avon shoots him with a laser gun and yeah. goes, "Take that!" And I was like, oh, "That's lame, yeah. lame, what rubbish dialogue." But it inspired Nigel Martin Smith to create a boy band in the nineties, <laughs> and the rest is history. But but then that's that's a clip from a season four episode, yeah. which when I watched uh, or series D, I should say, when I watched series D uh, <laughs> recently, they had edited the clip. Oh. So actually, uh, like George he, Lucas. Oh no! No, they edited it for the clip show to be funny. Oh right. So so when he he shoots um this yeah. guy off his bike and he says to like Villa or one of the other characters he says, take that bike. Ah. Oh. And they edited it to go take that no. to make it look like he was making like a lame quip. Oh. It's like 
But that's what I'm saying. It's like a conspiracy. But that's the thing because you saw that and for years. You assumed that it was. Shit. It was naff. <laughs> and this is what I'm. This is what I'm doing here. I'm proving it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so it's had it's had a mixed reception. So in 1998, Robert Hanks of the Independent compared the show to Star Trek, uh, saying that America had Star Trek yeah. while the UK had Blake Seven. Yeah. Uh, he said. No boldly going here. Instead, we get the boot stamping on a human face, which George Orwell offered as a vision of humanity's future in 1984. Blake Seven has acquired a credibility and popularity Terry Nation could never have expected. He does then go on to say, I think that's to do with the sheer crappiness of the series (laughs) and the crappiness it attributes to the universe. But it's science fiction for the disillusioned and ironic, and that is what makes it so very British. So the fact that it is a kind of slightly crappy run-down, yeah. entirely unglossy vision of the future. Yeah. It's kind of what makes it so interesting it's, and compelling. It sounds like uh, Red Dwarf, but like serious <laughs> It's kind of Red Dwarf without the jokes, yeah, yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Um, but Blake 7 was popular from its very first broadcast. It was watched by approximately 10 million viewers in the UK, which obviously is not as much no, but, then as it would be now. But because that sort of thing. But it's still you know, solid. Yeah. Uh, and it was shown in 25 other countries across the world. Uh, in 2005, SFX readers named Blake Seven their fourth favourite British telefantasy show of all time, nice. uh, behind only Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. Red Dwarf, nice. and Doctor Who, of course. Yeah. Uh, so the series, I'm have a beer because I'm yeah. getting dry, yeah. was inspired. <laughs> the series was inspired by real world political conflicts, oh. as well as Star Trek, uh, tales of Robin Hood, and classic Western stories like The Dirty Dozen. Uh, Terry Nation pitched Blake Seven to the BBC as the Dirty Dozen in space, and <laughs> I'm not sure this is true, but I was you know, researching. Apparently, he just sort of like walked into a pitch meeting with no ideas, and they were like, <laughs> "Terry, what you got for us?" And he's like, uh, uh, "Dirty Dozen, yeah, in space, <laughs> Dirty Dozen." I'm gonna say, like, <laughs> "Dirty Dozen <laughs> in space." Uh, what else, Terry? Sort yeah, sort but there's a guy called. Blake <laughs> doing like a usual suspects, just reading names off of like a, <laughs> a cork board behind them. There's a, there's a, there's a drawing by Quentin Blake on the on the on Quentin the, Blake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, got you. Sorry, I thought you were like referring to something else. You know, by the way, there's a there's a there's a drawing. like in, in Rocket Man. They make it look like uh, Elton John looked at uh, the wall and there was a picture of John Lennon. He was like, oh, uh, John is my surname. It's not happened. It's not happened. But maybe that was a Quentin Blake drawing on the on the wall. He was like, uh, signed Blake. Blake. Mm. It, it stars a guy called Blake. What's the other character called? Avon. Avon. Avon Barksdale was a bit before his time, wasn't it? <laughs> the Wire. I love how we've jumped from Blake 7 <laughs> to Rocket Man to The Wire. Only on Two Geeks, uh, Two Beers. TwoGeeksTwoBeers.com yeah. uh, so, so Blake 7. Cut that. <laughs> cut all of that. Put on Patreon. Blake 7 uh, was set around 700 years in the future. Okay. And it follows the political dissident... Rog Blake. Uh, Rog with a J, not like... Oh, oh Rog. That's what I thought you meant. Although originally, apparently, his name was Rog with a G. He was literally right. like, oh, 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 Rog. Rog Blake. No, Rog with a J, so it's futuristic. Okay. Uh, and he commands a small group of rebels against the forces of a totalitarian Terran Federation. Try and say that after one more beer. Uh, that rules the Earth and many colonised planets. I bet he's meant to be Rog. Because when it's with a J, it should be Rog. Rog. Yeah. Rog Blake. But... but... He kept calling him Rog. Like, oh, I thought you were just saying like he's meant to be a rogue, but I thought you were saying it like in a really fancy way. I bet he's meant to be a rogue, such a rogue. So it's interesting because in Star Trek, obviously the Federation, 
they're the good guys yeah. here literally called the Federation again but they're the villains yeah. and our heroes are sort of like down and dirty rebels it's more of a Star Wars vibe than a Star Trek uh, okay. vibe okay rebels come and all that yeah so the Federation use mass surveillance brainwashing and drug pacification to control its citizens now here yeah. is a taster of how dark and adult the series was I think this will shock you on <laughs> So, Blake's resistance was sparked when the Federation murdered his family, mm. but rather than killing him and allowing him to become a martyr, they brainwashed him and reprogrammed him. When a violent act later awakens Blake's suppressed memories, he's arrested on trumped-up charges of child molestation what? and sentenced to a prison colony. But why did they Why did they go straight to that? <laughs> no, in the first episode, they're like, Blake, you're a paedophile. He's like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, <laughs> off to Cygnus Alpha. That's a bit a bit much isn't bit it for, much, a, isn't for it? a Sunday afternoon this, this ain't Doctor Who mate straight into Peter <laughs> so straight just all everything else ah, passed by okay straight to Peter okay I wasn't expecting that I have to admit so escaping from uh, the prison ship that's taken into Cygnus Alpha the prison but, but everyone thinks he's Peter <laughs> yeah for the rest of the show I mean it's not really touched upon but yeah he's, he's sort of like yeah framed as a paedophile so he never like cle- clears his name no He's just a pedo for the rest of the series. <laughs> He's not. But everyone thinks he is. Everyone thinks he is. Okay. Yeah. All right. But he escapes, and uh, and then Blake gains control. It's of... the 70s, it's fine back then. <laughs> Definitely cut that. <laughs> Blake escapes and gains control of an advanced alien spacecraft, the Liberator, and assembles a ragtag crew of resistance fighters, his seven, little quotey <laughs> yeah. bunny ears, uh, to aid him in his fight against the Federation. What do you think they'll do? Their time's running out. So's ours. We have less to lose. You may have, but I value my life. Assuming they do land us somewhere, what then? Find a way of getting back to Earth. Back to Earth? Yes, that's where the heart of the Federation is. I intend to see that heart torn out. I thought you were probably insane. That's possible. They butchered my family, my friends. They murdered my past and gave me tranquilized dreams. At least you're still alive. No, not until free men can think and speak. Not until power is back with the honest man. Have you ever met an honest man? Perhaps. Listen to me. Wealth is the only reality. And the only way to obtain wealth is to take it away from somebody else. Wake up, Blake. You may not be tranquilized any longer, but you're still dreaming. Maybe some dreams are worth having. You don't really believe that. No, but I'd like to. Yes. Well, you asked me what I was going to do, and I've told you. What you do is up to yourselves. Right. A new identity. A job in the Federation banking system. Three months with their computers, I could lift a hundred million credits, and nobody would know where they went. Then let anyone try and touch me. And the rest? have the same chance as I have. You don't really believe that. You can tell it's um, the late 70s because they all look like Kevin Keegan. <laughs> well, no, Blake looks like Kevin Keegan. Blake does look like Kevin Keegan. Like, like peak Keegan in the, <laughs> in the late 70s. I mean, that's, again, a niche reference, but you know, for all you uh, football fans of the late 1970s out there. For that, for that Venn diagram of football and Blake 7 fans. <laughs> so, who are the seven? Of the title, Blake Seven. Yeah, who are the seven? I will tell you, Tom. <laughs> well, the lineup of the seven changes, and to be honest, there's not always seven of them, and it doesn't always make total sense. Right. But anyway, okay. so 
Leading the crew at first is Blake, yeah. who does count as one of the... He is one of the seven. Kevin Keegan. Yeah, right. he's one of the seven. It's not like Blake and seven, is he's one of the seven. Yeah. And he's played by Gareth Thomas. Yeah. Not the rugby player, although yeah. he did play rugby before he was an actor. Uh, <laughs> found that out. Uh, he sadly passed away in 2016. Uh, actors considered for the part of Blake. <laughs> I mean, you uh, won't get them, but... <laughs> are they like... British actors of the era that yeah, still... you'll have definitely well, I'll tell, one of them funnily enough was Paul Darrow who went on okay. to, play, to play Avon yeah. there's another couple of, of like you know sort of like distinguished or at least they were distinguished later British character actors who yeah, you Anthony will Hopkins no, no one that famous oh. <laughs> definitely TV famous <laughs> rather than Robert Powell not Robert Powell uh, Warren Clark okay yeah and Alan Armstrong okay yeah both yeah. considered for Blake yeah very good uh, and what I like about Blake is that in the 70s yeah a spacefaring rebel hero could be a spacefaring rebel hero and no offence to, to the late Mr Thomas but he could look like Kevin Keegan yeah he could look like just a normal bloke yeah he wasn't yeah. Chris Pratt with his model looks <laughs> yeah. and his, his six pack yeah so Blake was sort of morally murky <laughs> he was a freedom fighter but sometimes, like, innocents were caught in the crossfire. Yeah. So he was quite, like, a, a difficult character as well. He didn't have, like, an easy charisma. He wasn't constantly, like, making quits. Well, everyone thinks he's a pedo, so it's really hard to... <laughs> he's going to be down on himself. <laughs> gonna... He's not having a great time of things. <laughs> but it was it was sort of a theme of, of TV around this time. So after Blake 7, uh, Chris Boucher, who was the guy I mentioned, he was kind of, sort of, like, kind of the showrunner of Blake yeah. 7. Uh, he worked on a short-lived BBC series called Star Cops. Have you heard of that? No. Uh, that has got an amazing theme song. It won't be easy. Um, <laughs> and we might do a future episode on that. I will miss you more and more. It won't be easy. No. Anyway, Star, Star, Star Cops. Again, though, the lead character, he's like, these days, he would be like cheekbones and hair. Yeah. He's just sort of like this like regular looking, slightly grumpy man in his early 40s. Here's the, here's the end of the first episode of Star Cops. There's a rumour the Russians have already executed that girl. The one who serviced Henvorson's backpack. Yeah. Of course, they're not too ready to admit it now. You ruined their publicity. The Americans aren't exactly overjoyed with you either. Well, it seems reasonable. Hard to tell them apart anyway. You don't believe that? Why not? Same ends, same means, same victims. What's the difference? The head of an international police force ought to be able to see the difference. Yes, he should, shouldn't he? Maybe they've chosen the wrong man for the job. I love that that's the end yeah. of the first episode of, of, what a cliffhanger. Of, of the rousing adventure series Star Cops where he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, maybe you picked the wrong man for the job. <laughs> he's really, like, he's balding and like, just like, uh, he just looks like, he looks like a guy who'd be like the dad of some character in Hollyoaks or something. But that's why I love that he can, he can be the, like the lead in yeah. an action-packed sci-fi series in the 70s. Wouldn't happen now. <laughs> some sort of laid-back Demi, Demis Roussos type music at the end. Bizarre. <laughs> So, the second member of Blake Seven yeah. was Avon, uh, played by Paul Darrow, and he he looks more like uh, Johan Cruyff, I'd say, <laughs> if we're going by seventies footballers. Continuing the theme, yeah, great. Yeah, he looks like uh, now Avon is weirdly like attractive, but but not. But, yeah, but he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 
well, well, Avon or Avon, as Blake calls him for some reason. Blake throughout the series calls him Avon. It's like Avon, um, Avon, Avon. It's like uh, what was it? What's his? Who was, was um, Lex Luthor in the films? Gene Hackman saying, "Oh, oh Luth- Kry- Krypton." Oh, Krypton, Krypton. Yeah, yeah, the planet Krypton. No. And, all, and on that point, Lex uh, Luthor or Luthor? Because again, mm. he's like Christopher Reeve is like, I don't need a geography. I don't need a geography lesson from you, Luthor. Luthor. <laughs> it's I know Luther. It's, it's spelt Luthor, yeah. but it's pronounced Luther. Krypton. The planet Krypton. No, 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 no. It's, it's Marlon Brando. It says Krypton. Oh, is it? It's not Gene Hackman <laughs> oh, at all. Sorry, Gene. Sorry, sorry, Gene Hackman. Mate. Yeah, he's, he's, sorry, he's Gene. a bit. He's like, mm, I've sent you here, my only son from the planet Krypton. No, <laughs> because it was. But you know, you, you know, they had tell like, him otherwise. And they had like he was a, there for like thirty seconds. They had like a day with with Brando, <laughs> and and he's like, well, oh, he said Krypton. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I know he didn't actually that, but he's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, read this thing. I'll be Jorel. And then like, <laughs> Marlin, just read the lines. He's like, all right, the, my only son, the planet Krypton. And in the recording, they're like, oh, can we tell him? Can we get him to do it again? Do you think anyone will notice? Can we get him? Oh, okay. Fuck like it. on a. Uh, uh, <laughs> completely going off topic uh, Venom the film Venom yeah. they had uh, uh, Jenny Slate the actress who was in that uh, there was the, tra- the trailer came out for Venom yeah. uh, and she was uh, saying uh, oh it's a symbiote it's uh, an alien symbiote and fans were like you mean symbiote and like people went fucking mental on Twitter and so bad that when we w- you watch the film now she says symbiote because they obviously got they her back it. to dub oh, it because because Twitter kicked off imagine now if Br- Marlon Brando said Krypton yeah. Twitter would go like, mental Krypton. how do we get onto this uh, I don't Avon 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 Baxdale back, back, to, back to Avon so Avon is pretty much without exception every Blake 7 fan's favourite right. character he was the breakout character he was he, he was. was the Barney Stinson he was the, the spike from Buffy okay. he was a cynical electronics and computer expert motivated by self interest <laughs> who struck a contrast with a more straightforwardly heroic Blake uh, Paul Darrow as I put down here, became the breakout star of Blake 7, uh, and eventually its de facto lead character. More on that later. Uh, some critics have alleged that Darrow became more over the top as the series goes on. That's what happens, isn't it? But actually, the character of Avon does become more desperate and unhinged as the series goes on anyway. So I think it kind of works. And you can never say that he is not giving it both barrels. Like, <laughs> good or bad, he is, he is always giving it welly. Yeah. Uh, what else does he... No, is this like is that his main thing? Paul Darrow also made a cameo appearance in the last Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, Dine of the Day. Really? Uh, he was a doctor caring for Bond. You know, he comes back from Korea yeah. and he's like got beardy and stuff. Yeah. And uh, you hear Paul Darrow's voice and he's like, eh, Bond, he's uh, he's not looked after himself. Looks like shit, basically. <laughs> and then he's a doctor and Bond, like, Brosnan, oh. like, knocks him out. Right. Yeah. Um, crew member number three yeah. uh, was Michael Keating uh, as the cowardly villa who was a skilled thief who had a weakness for alcohol and women. <laughs> Damn <you. laughs> He very much provided the comic relief in Blake Seven's bleak world uh, and is also the only character to appear in every episode. What does he look like? Glenn Hoddle? Or? <laughs> uh, here is Villa. Oh. Uh, let's go Bobby Moore on that one. Bobby Moore? Yeah. Uh, we also have the space smuggler Jenna played by Sally Nivette who beat Jane Asher to the part Uh, the telepathic alien guerrilla fighter Callie played by Jan Chappell and the strong man because you always got to have a strong man in a team uh, Gan played by David Jackson and these characters along with the liberator's master computer Zen 
they make up the seven. Bit of a stretch putting Zayn in there to mm. be honest, but like it's never there's never like a list anywhere of like yeah. who who actually are the seven. It's just called Blake Seven. So people sort of go, it must be the computer. That that must be the seven. That must be the seventh one. So at least there's no like snarf or <laughs> no, yeah. No, no, there's no like cute pet. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think that would really fit it's the void. That's how you fill the void. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Can't really. Um. So so those are the seven. If you've managed to follow that. But here is actually where it gets complicated. Okay. So at the end of the first series, uh, the crew capture a supercomputer named Orac, who presumably is not one of the seven, because obviously it doesn't be suddenly eight. become Blake's eight. Blake's eight. Yeah. Uh, however, Gan is the strong man. He's yeah. killed during well, the second series. He's the first series regular and the first member of Blake's crew to die. Very strong, is he? <laughs> no, but he dies like holding up a door to save oh, the others. Like Hodor. Yeah, yeah, like Hodor. Yeah. Oh. Gan is the original hold the door. It's like the original the Hodor o- the moment. The OG Hodor. He's the OG Hodor. Yeah. Um, so then, if Gan is dead, yeah. there's only seven of them if you count Orak. But you didn't count Orak before because that would have been eight. So he's been um, upgraded it's, to a series regular. Presumably Orak <laughs> has now been promoted to one of the seven, which he wasn't before. Right. Then, between the second and third series, both Blake and Jenna disappear. We will come back to that. Okay. And they're replaced by new characters. Uh, the weapons expert Dana, played by Josette Simon and the expert pilot Tarrant, played by Stephen Pacey, uh, also considered for the role of Dana, Star Trek The Next Generation's Marina Sirtis. Oh. Yeah. But now, right, we're so... So we don't even have Blake anymore. So Exactly. So there's seven of them, <laughs> Yeah. but there's no Blake. So it's like Avon's seven. <laughs> but it's still called Blake's seven. Okay. Um, so the title doesn't... So it's like Taggart. It, yeah, it's like Taggart. They've gone down the Taggart route of the, the character's gone. Yeah. Fuck it. But at least with Blake seven, it kind of makes sense because it's like... They're sort. They're like they're like Blake Seven because they're like his team. Yeah. Even though he's not around anymore. Yeah. Sort. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, but it, it goes on. So then at the start of the fourth series, Callie, the character, dies again off screen. Uh, she's replaced by the gunfighter Sulin, played by Glynis Barber of oh, yeah. Dempsey and Makepeace fame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Liberator, their ship, is also destroyed with the computer Zen, who was originally one of the seven, being replaced by a new computer called Slave God. on board a new ship called Scorpio. It's like Sugar Babes. Again, taking the total to seven. It is very much like Sugar Babes, Tom. So, so, is it, so we're in series three at this point? This is, no, no, this is the final series, okay, series so, four. Series four. So when we say they all die at the end, yeah. they're all dead anyway. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, well, a lot of them have already left the show. Like, it's like one original character left by the sounds of There's, it. There's uh, Avon and Villa are both left. All right. Yeah. So Bobby Moore and uh, Johan Cruyff are still kicking it. Yeah, yeah, they are, exactly. Uh, but something I liked about the <laughs> dynamic between Blake's crew and something which stayed pretty consistent across yeah. all the different iterations of the crew yeah. is that they're not really like mates. They don't like each other. It's not like the Starship Enterprise where they're like backslapping and going, great work, Spock. Yeah, thanks. McCoy, you're my boy. No, none of that. Uh, they're working together against the Federation because they hate the Federation. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's a little bit of like, you know, like, Early on, like Blake and Jenna, there's a little bit of like uh, something going on there. Apparent, apparent, Gareth Thomas said no, but like a bit of that, you know. But, but Blake and Avon, and later Avon and Tarrant, who comes on, they're sort of like always bickering and going up against each other and questioning each other's decisions. No one likes Villa. That's consistent throughout. They're always like, Villa, oh, Villa, what are you doing? He's always like drinking and getting drunk and like messing things up. And like, ah, oh, Villa, just, just go into another room, just go somewhere else. Um, yeah, in fact, one episode in the in the fourth and final season, Orbit sees Avon and Villa trapped on a shuttle that is too heavy to reach escape velocity, with Avon very nearly throwing Villa off the ship to his death to save himself. Dark stuff. Villa. Villa. 
Villa, are you here? I need your help. Villa, I know you're here. Come out. They did it, but I need your help. Please help me. Dark villa cowering, like shaking, yeah. nervous, sweating. His friend, apparently his friend, his ally, trying to kill him. So what does he just decide not to then? No, and it, it's all fine. It turns out like someone had put like a speck of like in like compressed matter on the ship that made it really heavy. So they uh, just get rid of that. It's all fine. So they just forget the fact that he was about to kill him. No, but like it's good actually. Later on, like at the end of the episode, Villa's like, "Man, you were going to kill me." And yeah. He's really annoyed. And like later on, from the rest of the series, basically, he just doesn't trust Avon anymore. And he's like, "Yeah, remember when you were going to throw me out the ship?" So it does. It is consistent it's that still way. Going has on it? about that. <laughs> You're still going on about that, Villa. Um, but even though, you know, with friends like these, who needs enemies? Yeah. They did have enemies. Uh, the crew were always united in their shared loathing of the Federation, led by Servalan, its supreme commander, who is sassy, sexy, and absolutely campus Christmas. <laughs> Manual operation. Set course for the planet Earth. Computed and laid in. Main drive. Maximum power. That's, that's amazing. A, that's a famous line in Blake 7. Because the line on the script just said, yeah. take the ship there, maximum power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jacqueline Pierce, the actress, goes, maximum power. She puts her arms out. Yeah. But she's sort of annoyed that she's having to do it. Like, is this going to be the last time I have to do this? Okay. <laughs> Maximum power. Is that right? All right, good. <laughs> Maximum power. Just like Annie Lennox having a bad day. <laughs> she, Servalan. She's evil, but she's sort of sexy. Yeah. And even Avon couldn't decide if he wanted to kill her or shag her. He sort of goes back and forth across the series. Yeah. There's a lot of a weird sexual tension between yeah. them. Uh, but that was another sad recent loss to the Blake 7 roster. Oh. The actress uh, Jacqueline Pierce, who passed away last September. And for the first two series, uh, Servalan's chief henchman was... Travis. Travis? <laughs> He's called... Tra- oh, why is it always rain on Travis? <laughs> Space Commander Travis. Travis. Travis was the enemy of Rog. Um, Roj? <laughs> Roj. So Travis was Blake's arch foe um, because his left eye and arm were destroyed in a previous bout between the two men and replaced with an eye patch and a prosthetic arm fitted with a concealed weapon. Now, two actors played Travis, a different okay. one in Series 1 uh, to Series 2, uh, in the first series, uh, Stephen Greif played the part. And he was cool, cold, calculating, and he looked great. Blake. The other patrols have pushed him into this galaxy. I knew it, I knew it. This time I've got him. Target vehicle maintaining course and speed. Set for orbital compensation. We'll use the planet to mask us from his scanners. Orbital shift computed. Execute. Make it random pulse emission. I'm not going to lose him now. Very good, very good. Yeah, great, great, great. M- menacing. Yeah. 
uh, Greif did not return for the second series okay. and was replaced by Brian Croucher, who <laughs> he had a different he had a different approach. Okay, he went he went a different angle. He went, he went a different way, right. and he had, diff- he had a slightly different look as well. Right. Tweaked. Travis, you are pathetic. If you say so. Of all the cripple-brained idiots. Me or you? What did you say? You're angry, Supreme Commander. Surprised by what I did. You devious. You always have been devious. You knew what would happen. Take your hand off me. You knew if it was Blake, I'd kill him. I'd have to kill him. You'll rot in a slave pit on Ursa Prime, Travis. We didn't need to, but you insisted. That's why, so you could test one of them on me. You used me like some automatic port tracer. And you functioned beautifully. Well, that was diabolical. Yeah, I like in that scene, Travis, who was meant to be this sort of like, super smart, super cunning guy, Serverland basically goes, you're an idiot. And he goes, who, me or you? Brilliant, Brilliant. what a comeback. Yeah. I, I'm not, you are. No, I, no that's you. He, he reminded me of two things. One, he reminded me of the acting ability of um, David Beckham in, uh, is it Robin Hood? No, what was King it? Arthur. King Arthur. He's like, where he's trying to pick up the sword and he's like, where do you think I want you? On my knee. Over there, stupid. Like, really bad. Bouncing on my knee. Where do you think I want you? Hands on the hilt, stupid. And it also reminds me of Kenny Everett doing mm. his best Sid Snot. Sid Snot here, known to the in crowd as SS. You know, a lot of people say these things are dangerous. This is a lot of Friars Bolton. I've been smoking it for years. I haven't caught fire yet. Travis is Sid Snot. Yeah. Can't believe I never saw it before. Yeah. Uh, Brian Croucher also auditioned for the role of Blake. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Brian's a great guy, just compared to the first one. Yeah, he showed up in EastEnders later. Yeah. Uh, I just think he was miscast. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad actor, no. honestly. I think he's just miscast. Yeah. Uh, but Travis was eventually killed by Blake and Avon. They teamed up in Series 2's finale, Star 1. But why did the first one not come back? Uh, apparently he like injured himself yeah. and he couldn't do another job and so he, he wanted to do this film and he injured himself and he's really annoyed and he's like oh, now I've got to go back and do Blake, Blake 7 are you joking I just missed out on this like, really great part and I've got to go back and do Blake 7 and, and then he was like no I'm not doing it he was, he was like in a, in a foul mood so he turned it down oh, yeah. that's a shame. so I've given you a bit of a grounding of like the series origins I've talked about the characters yeah. but let's go through sort of the storylines across the four series okay. of Blake 7 some season summaries right. A to D so the first series sees the Liberator crew attempt to stop up a resistance against Sir Valan, Travis and the Federation and the second series sees this resistance continue and as I mentioned the death of Gan in episode 5 Pressure Point uh, apparently David Jackson the actor was not upset that Gan would die because of how little he got to do on the show According to Chris Boucher, Jackson once passed him a note with the word four written on it. When Boucher queried the note, Jackson explained that four was the number of lines he had in that week's script. <laughs> what a <sighs> What a dick. He did him. He did him. Jack- oh, he's done you again. Oh, he's done you, Boucher. He's uh... done you. Uh, series two ends with a finale, Star One, where Blake plans to destroy the control facility that keeps the Federation functioning, only to find it's been invaded by aliens. Uh... uh Terry Nation had originally wanted to feature the Daleks wow. as the invading force in Imagine. a Doctor Who crossover. Oh, they would do that now. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. It's yeah, shared universe yeah. now. Uh, however, the idea was strongly rejected by Blake 7 series producer David Maloney and Chris Boucher, the script editor. Oh. Do Doctor Who and Blake 7 take place in the same universe? Well, <laughs> why not? There is no actual evidence for it on screen. Uh, though there are sort of like spin-off books and audios that make them right, the same yeah. universe where things do cross over. Apparently, uh, 
Gareth Thomas and Tom Baker were also great chums and they would sort of have drinks in the BBC bar and be like yeah we should team up oh. and they wanted just a scene where like the Doctor would be running down a corridor and just sort of like pass Blake Imagine. and not an actual crossover just like they'd just be like literally crossover hey how you doing yeah. and then like yeah I love you on Wall Street <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> little uh, Hot Shots Pop Duh reference for you there eclectic are references yeah, yeah, yeah. eclectic eclectic or niche <laughs> bit of both so, uh, at the end of Series 2, as I mentioned, with both Gareth Thomas and Sally Nevette leaving the show, uh, Blake and Jenna go missing in the aftermath of the destruction of Star One, and Avon reluctantly becomes the new leader of the crew. Uh, Thomas left because he became disillusioned with some aspects of the series, in particular what he regarded as his move away from science fiction and into science fantasy. Uh, he asked if he could direct a couple of episodes as sort of like a sweetener, uh, but the BBC said no. What's, what's so he decided to leave. What's the big difference between science, science fiction? I think and he science it was like he was like it's not like grounded in like realism. Because <laughs> because what I've seen so far is, I mean, the first thing I thought was realism. Maximum power. Uh, BBC offered him more money, but Thomas he wasn't interested. He's a man of yeah. he's a man of principles. Yeah. Uh, so here's where things get really interesting. Honest. You can see you're flagging. <laughs> So the BBC had planned to cancel Blake 7 at the end of the third series. They're like, right, wrap it up, well, guys. We, we, Give you notice. We've had, we had, had, had a good run. Yeah. had a good innings, yeah. but this is the final series. Yeah. So the, the final episode of series three is called Terminal, <laughs> and it sees the Liberator destroyed, yeah. uh, Servalan apparently killed, and the crew marooned on the planet Terminal. Yeah. So the main villain's dead, their ship is destroyed, and they're like stuck on this planet, and they're like... Got to make a new life for ourselves on this planet. It's oh, the end of Blade nice. 7. Oh, ba 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 ba. Happy yeah. ever after. But allegedly, and this is everywhere, so I assume it's true, but it's such a ridiculous story. Uh, Bill Cotton, who was the uh, head of television at the BBC at the time, he watched that episode, really enjoyed it, phoned up the BBC presentation department and just said, Yeah, bring it back. Make the announcement now. Do it on the, on the telly. I like the idea that he was. It, it uh, says watched it. Maybe he was watching like a pre record. I like yeah. the idea he was watching it live on telly and was like, <laughs> Yeah, um, announce over the opening credits that it's coming back. Like, it's not coming back, Bill. Like, no, it well, is, it is it now. Is now. Yeah. I'm the fucking head of television, yeah. so it is. Because I say so. He's related to Fern Cotton. Did you know that? <laughs> That's not true. It is. What? I'm sure it is. How do you know who Bill Cotton is? I don't even know who Bill I, I, Cotton I, I, is. If it's the same Bill Cotton I'm thinking of. Is that how Fern Cotton got her break? It might well be. Nepotism. Bill Cotton. Yeah. What? Uh, TV and radio presenter Fern Cotton is related to him, as he was her paternal grandfather's cousin. There Who you says you don't learn stuff on this podcast? Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I thought I was teaching you, you're teaching me. <laughs> Incredible. So when it came back then, unexpectedly for a full series, Blake Seven had to introduce new characters, a new ship, and a new computer. Right. And Servalan, they just went, ah, don't worry, she's fine. She just survived. But then, having had this surprise renewal, the following fourth series was not necessarily intended to be the last series. We're like, okay, we're yeah, back. Well, we're, well, if they love us this much, yeah, we'll at least we're back to two or three series. We're on a roll now. Yeah, great. Uh, Bill, it, Bill's on board. Yeah, so they were like, right, we'll end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. This'll be good. Yeah. Where it looks like we're all shot dead. Yeah. But then in the start of the next series, Everything, we'll all go, yeah. well, the, the plan was that the fifth series of Blake 7 would then reveal who survived the shootout that yeah. closed the fourth series. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> they'd have contract renewals, and if anyone asked for too much money... You're dead because 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 look how that series ended. We can kill you. Yeah. Or if you want to come back, oh, you're just stunned. Yeah. Uh, but the series was then cancelled, accidentally giving us one of the most iconic endings in TV history. Yeah. So famously, the final episode of Blake Seven sees the crew's luck run out. Uh, Gareth Thomas returns as Blake, 
not knowing it would necessarily be the final episode. So that worked out. He came back. Came back right. for the last one, which, Good. which I know Good. we like that. Yeah, unlike what Cuddy or Faust or uh, or Nick Stokes from CSI. Yeah. He came back for the final episode. Didn't come back for the TV movie no. reunion. No, come on, Nick Ruined Stokes. It. Ruined it forever. Nick Stokes. George Eads. George Eads. We do it now. MacGyver. Not even that. MacGyver. MacGyver. Um, so in the final episode of Blake Seven, yeah, called Blake, it is revealed that Blake is alive and has been continuing to fight the Federation while posing as a bounty hunter, but. Blake meets Tarrant first, because uh, Tarrant crash lands on the planet Gowda Prime. Uh, and of course, obviously, those two characters have never met because Tarrant came in where Blake left. So they aren't sure if they can trust each other and sort yeah. of sizing each other up. Uh, Blake keeps up his act of like pretending he's a bounty hunter, uh, and he's like pretending he's going to give up Avon and the crew for bounty, because he's trying to test Tarrant's loyalty to see if he can trust him. Uh. But Tarrant escapes from Blake's grasp, uh, and he then tells Avon that Blake has betrayed uh, them. Uh, he betrayed me. Yeah. Uh, it's leading to one final tragic reunion between the old allies. Ah, oh, so, Avon. So sad. It is sad. It's like, nah, you fucked up. No. It's a misunderstanding. Blake's all fucked him? up. It's him. He sold us, Avon. All of us. No, he didn't. Even you. Is it true? Avon, it's me, Blake. Stand still. Have you betrayed us? It's like the end of um, Red Dwarf. It is the end of Red Dwarf. Not Villa. Ah, not Bobby Moore. Who shot him? You see. Who's Fe- this guy? Federation troopers, they've arrived. Ah. Jesus Christ. Bloodbath. Where's like all the. Hi- yeah, your heroes. Apparently, he's really cool, like, cool guy. Nah, dead. Depressing. All down to Avon now. Uh, they all look like Alpha Five. These guys. <laughs> ah! What a cliffhanger! Fucking hell! You hear shit shoots, but you don't know who did what. 
So these are the gunshots. Ah, oh. fucking hell! Right, was... I love that. I loved watching you watch that. Genuinely, because oh. you yeah, I've never show... really watched it with the context before. And all the way through, you're like, "Yeah, Blake said whatever." Avon killed Blake. You're like, "No, why would he... you do that?" It's because he didn't give him a chance. And then and all the all the characters were dying. You're like, "It's a bloodbath." And then you're like, it ended. You're like. What a cliffhanger! No, really, get, really go into it then, oh, didn't that you? Was, yeah, that was really good. That is really. They good. shouldn't. I mean, it's weird. I know they didn't mean it to end like that, but mm. it's sort of. It's perfect. Yeah, I think. It's because Blake yeah. Seven was always quite pessimistic, yeah. and in in a way, you know, fighting against the whole empire, mm. the idea that like seven people could overthrow a corrupt empire is is ridiculous. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of like the best way it could possibly end that they all just end up getting killed. Yeah. Well, with the possible exception of Avon, who knows? We don't. We hear the shots. We don't know what happened. I feel like this show sort of weirdly inspired uh, Firefly and Serenity and all that kind of stuff because it's the whole space western thing. Mm. Did that exist before Blake 7? I think possibly it did, but yeah. it definitely popularised it. It's very similar, isn't it? Well, Paul Darrow, he's made that thing, he said that, made that comparison, he said that uh, Firefly was very much like the modern day Blake yeah. 7. Yeah. yeah, like a crew of sort of ragtag, yeah. sort of, they don't really, they're not really friends, but they're kind of fighting yeah. against this evil federation. Uh, <laughs> the Blake 7 finale was broadcast on the 21st of December 1981. What? Merry Christmas. Christmas special. <laughs> uh, so in case it wasn't clear, from the audio, uh, Avon kills Blake in the misunderstanding. Then the whole crew are gunned down by Federation troopers, with only Avon's fate left unresolved. But given we last see him alone, surrounded and outgunned, it doesn't look good. Uh, the reason Blake's death was so much more gory than the other characters was because he was the only character who was planned to be definitively killed off. Right, so he's definitely dead. Blake is definitely dead, because Gareth Thomas, he only agreed to return to the show on the basis... That he was like, right, I'll come back, but kill me, Billy. He Harrison like, Ford. Definitely, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. He did, he did, a, he did a Harrison Ford. He was like, I'll okay. come back, but only if you definitely, definitely kill me, so I can't come back again. Um, he Charlton Heston. Yeah, Heston. Heston's like, yeah. blow up the whole earth, <laughs> and then they, they did it. What, anyway. was, what was he says? Blow up the earth. No more sequels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are sequels. No more sequels. Not with you. Uh, what's funny about that, that and, how, and how it is one of the most like sort of powerful TV endings of all time, yeah. is that a lot of the time, uh, Blake Seven episodes had quite sort of naff endings yeah. or like endings that would have been fine, but they weren't quite played with the, the right level of like drama. So the, the not about a star cops. That was... <laughs> no, but at the end of similar. So at the end of the first episode of Blake Seven, uh, the way back, Blake has been like falsely accused of being a paedophile, and he's being shipped off to this penal colony, and he's and he's and he's sort of moving away from uh, from Earth. Yeah. And this guard goes, "Yeah, take a long look, Blake. That's the last you'll ever see of it." And and Blake's line is, "No, I'm coming back." And it should be like it's the end of the episode. It should be like, "No, I'm coming, I'm coming back." back. Yeah. But he sort of goes, "Take yeah. a long look, Blake. That's the last you'll see of it." And he goes. No, I'm coming back. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. So you need to just best take. Do another take, Gareth. Yeah. Um, or sometimes an episode will end with a really short, sharp one-liner. And then there'll just be like one line too many. So it'll be like, yeah, quick, quick. And then Avon will go, all right, plot a course to the next system. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Uh, just like one line too many. Yeah. It's weird. But they finally got it right. But not that final episode, uh, which has one of the finest endings in TV history. Again, created by pure fluke. Wasn't yeah. intended to sort of be the end, but yeah. what perfect end. We said the Red Dwarf end of uh, Series 6, um, when Better dead they're, than all, Smeg. they're all dying. And, yeah. and that was very... There must have been a, a weird homage so, at the time. So that ending to Blake 7 is, is, is iconic, and it has been sort of copied and yeah. parodied so many times. Red Dwarf is, is one example. Yeah. Also, uh, 
your favourite bottom. The end of bottom. Yeah. Very yeah. similar to uh, yeah. the end of Blake 7. Where gunned down. Where yeah. They, Rich, yeah. yeah, Richie and Eddie are gunned down. Yeah. So what happened next? Did Avon survive? Well, I'm guessing no. Well, <laughs> well but... there has been talk over the years of a TV revival. Okay. So Paul Darrow was involved at one point with a live action project. Uh, there was also talk in 2005 of an animated series. Doctor Who and Life on Mars writer Matthew Graham was involved in a revival at one stage. In 2008, uh, Sky One even announced that it had commissioned scripts for a potential Blake 7 oh. uh, reboot series, uh, though they eventually opted not to make it. Why? And in 2012, Sci-Fi, the Siffy channel, Siffy. Uh, they were developing a new version with Joe Pulaski, who is now the showrunner on Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Oh. Uh, he would have been writing, and GoldenEye and Casino Royale director Martin Campbell would have been behind oh. the camera. Great, but yeah. again, it never happened. Mm. Uh, there have been new stories, though, produced on audio with most of the original cast, Big both, Finish? both by the BBC and currently uh, by yeah. Big, Big Finish. Yeah. Boys at Big Finish. And also in 2006, uh, BBC Radio 7 uh, broadcast a radio remake of Blake 7 starring Derek Riddle, or Derek Riddell, as Blake, and Colin Salmon as Ava. Oh, amazing. Great. Uh, Paul Darrow did also write a book, Lucifer which was set after the events of the final episode and revealed that Avon had survived, as well as a sequel, Lucifer Revelation, <laughs> of course. Uh, both of which you can buy from Big Finish as novel or audiobook read by Paul Darrow. Bigfinish.com. <laughs> Don't sponsor us, yet. Uh, uh. I always liked, I had this idea in my head. You know like I had the idea for like another Die Hard sequel? Yeah. I had an idea in my head of how you reboot Blake 7. Yeah. So what you do is you, you, you do a reboot, but you pretend it's a remake. So you go, right... New characters, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You go, yeah, new cast. You go, Paul Darrow is in it, playing a new character. Yeah. It's, it's a nod to the past. He's playing, you know, Joe yeah. Bloggs. Yeah. Uh, but then halfway through, you find out he's actually Avon, uh, and he's he's in hiding from the Federation under a false name, and it's actually a continuation. Actually yeah. But you only find out halfway through. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how excited you are by that. Yeah. I mean, it can't happen now. Sadly. It can't happen now, really? sadly, because uh, Paul Darrow passed away. It's all just a pipe dream now. Yeah. But it could have been the new crew, and they could have continued to fight in Blake's name. Like, we are Blake Seven. Fist pump. Freeze frame. So uh, that is it. Yeah. Much like Blake Seven, this episode has come to an abrupt finish. Uh, thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, they're weird these these shows from this era because it's it's hard they're harder to watch than most just because they are so dated mm. in the way they were made. Mm, yeah. But I feel like the acting and the plots and things are enough to get you interested. I think so. I just it's just sad that the it didn't have the the gloss. The, yeah. The sheen. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's great. Yeah. yeah, you got you got really into it. Got really into it. Yeah, I mean it's ruined now. There's no point in watching. The whole no, thing. but you already knew how it ended. I did know that anyway. But at least I, I, I now know the context behind it, mm. and it was it was moving. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is the end. But don't fret. If you're a fan of Blake Seven and you've enjoyed this retrospective, you can listen back to hours and hours of similar drivel <laughs> over, over at our website. There, there is a lot of it. It's all at our website, twogeekstwobeers.com, which was recently given a snazzy overhaul. Tom, it was. Yeah. yeah. Give it right. a revamp. Very nicely done. Yeah. Uh, we're also on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever yeah, it's called these days. Called, yeah. uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. <laughs> Basically, anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find two geeks. Yes. You can and should subscribe. Please do. Give us a quick rating out of five. And if you're feeling especially generous, throw a short review our way. Yes, please. Uh, all the social channels as well. Mm-hmm. At Two Geeks Cast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Lots of little goodies on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also on Patreon, yes. where you can sponsor the podcast. 
helping to fund our recording sessions, uh, our equipment. All your money goes directly back into making the show, and you'll get special bonus material, yeah. exclusive Patreon-only episodes, outtakes, and depending on how much you donate, yeah. uh, even a mini-episode. Or a full just length. for you. Just for you. Yeah. Special. Or a full length episode that's yeah exclusive to you. You can request anything. We could do one on anything you like. Yeah. You can go ro- totally rouge and... Um, <laughs> you can go totally rouge. And uh, have anything you like and we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Within reason, I mean. Within, within reason. Yeah. So, to play us out, yeah. like British rockers Spear of Destiny from their 1984 album One Eye Jacks, this is Liberator. Oh yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's there the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheers. 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 This out, do my research. Uh, right. Couldn't really fit it into the episode as it stood. But uh, early during the production of season D, incoming producer Ver Lorimer decided to arrange a recorded version of the Blake 7 theme. Oh, like uh, EastEnders with the Anyone Could Fall in Love. Exactly like that. All right. He personally wrote some accompanying lyrics to, to complement Dudley Simpson's original score and made plans to have Tarrant actor Stephen Pacey sing them. Unfortunately, his plans did not see fruition. Here, printed in its entirety, is Distant Star, the Blake 7 theme that never was. Are you going to sing it? Shall I give it a go? Ah, okay. Alright, here we go. Alright, good luck. There is a distant star in a distant sky Past the edge of time, way past Gemini Peace is there, only beauty meets the eye Oh my love, that's where we must fly And let the world go by just you and I. Come oh, hit more. the Stardust Trail. We'll throw our cap at Mars. We'll catch a comet's tail. Oh, and we'll sail to the stars. The, this is... the years go by like a verse. Like a silver stream. If our love is true, we will find our dream. Travelling on. Suddenly, that's where we are. That was more. The distant star. That distant star. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I feel like you know, you did a, It's a work in progress. You did very well. Thank you. Considering the this, the material you had on offer. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. put out as two geeks for a single, maybe. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs>